0: Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast, and for those of you listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in with us. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. Today I speak with Michael Boltman, who is one of the senior trainers at CrossFit NYC, which, as far as we know, is the largest CrossFit gym in the world as far as membership goes. They have almost or more than, depending on the day, 1,600, that's 1,600 members in their gym. They also have over 20 coaches. And the most important part of Michael's job at CrossFit NYC is to be a mentor to the new coaches who go through their internship program before giving the opportunity to become a full-time coach at CrossFit NYC. I found it very interesting the way that Michael and the team at CrossFit NYC feed off of each other and the way that they build each other up and have built out a program that clearly is built to last since being one of the first 30 CrossFit gyms ever to affiliate. This is an interesting listen, especially for coaches and business owners in the fitness world. And I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. All right. I'm here today with Michael Boltman of CrossFit NYC, The Black Box. What were you guys? Number 26. Is that right? We,
1: we were one of the we were one of the first uh, that used to get on that call, and I was not here for that this, but the, uh, Glassman had a call with all the affiliate managers or the GMs, and they would all get on one call together. And we were one of that group, the guys that owned the box. They were on that call of thirty or forty guys that, back back when it was still small enough that everybody could do it that way.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that that's the kind of thing that now Coach Glassman says he's coming to a gym to talk, and and they have to get. A chair rental company, just to make sure there's enough chairs and enough people to listen who don't yeah. get to respond. Or do you think people might not recognize him? Eh, some people, maybe not. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be... The ones have been around long enough. For those of you guys who are listening to this who are not CrossFitters, Greg Glassman, Coach Glassman, is the founder of CrossFit. And CrossFit NYC, the black box, I think it was number 26, <laughs> uh, is definitely the biggest CrossFit gym in the world in terms of membership volume, as far as I know. Um, but they've been around since the beginning. So, Michael, can you talk a little bit about your responsibility with The coaching staff here at NYC
1: sure so I've been a coach here since 2012 and uh, we have one coach coach Sarah Carr who is in charge of bringing in mentor coaches or mentee coaches so what she usually does is two sometimes three times a year selects three folks usually who are members and they go through uh, an evaluation process and and a shadowing process where they have to shadow X amount of hours of fundamentals or on-ramp course and then after that they shadow X amount of hours of beginner classes and then they are coaching and they're being shadowed by one of the full-time coaches. And so I'm one of those coaches that they shadow and then sometimes I shadow them once they've gone through the process. We. We put them through a lot of hours because what ends up happening here is that you're gonna have to coach a lot of hours, and it seems a little rigorous at first. If you have to shadow, just stare and watch 100 classes. Is is that
0: the number 100?
1: Roughly about it changes depending on our need. Okay. Um, So if if you think that would you know 100 hours is going to take you 100 days or probably probably 200 or 300 days. But if you're coaching here, you're probably going to be coaching somewhere between 12 and 22 classes a week. So you have to be able to handle that kind of volume and show us that you can be here that often. that's sort of step one.
0: Now a question for you about that. I'm assuming that mentorship program for the coaches is unpaid. Correct. Okay. And I'm also, um, assuming that you guys aren't looking for the most novice minded, not necessarily experienced, but People who are of high quality is what you're looking for. So how does someone who fancies themselves of high quality, who is fancied as high quality, wrap their mind around giving you guys 100 mentee hours at no cost? And really, it's 100 hours of mentorship, but... There's time before and after class that they need to put in to make those 100 hours of any value at all. So, how do you get them to wrap their mind around that?
1: This is not something that I uh, I made up. I wish I had, but someone calls us the Harvard of CrossFit, CrossFit NYC. We're not a community college, this is Harvard. So, after you spend a little bit of time here and spend time with our coaches, you see that we have Harvard professors as, as coaches. And I mean that with a little tongue in cheek. Right? Obviously, we're all not. Harvard educated guys but
0: I take it well I you, understand uh,
1: you 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 watch the way we do our classes you watch the way we structure our warm-ups and structure our, our classes in general and how much time we put into setting up and bringing everybody to the right spot and I think people just see the value in this place and that nothing goes to waste and that no no time is wasted when we're setting up and when we're trying to figure out how to run this place the best so simply it's perceived value and I believe our perceived value is pretty high
0: so, so you said the red spot. What's the red spot? You said you, you. By the time you're done with the warm-up, and you bring everybody into the red spot, you start class. Oh yeah, you
1: misheard her. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: I thought that's what you said. No, my mistake. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that was confusing for me. So, I want to talk about something that that you said as soon as I walked in during a quick break during class, um, you there were, there were how many people were in that class? 24. You so there were 24. It's people our, in it's that absolutely class. our biggest class of
1: the day. It's our, it's our one o'clock class and the cap is usually 20, but if there are people on the wait list, we have the entire gym cause it's the only one at that time. Right. And so we usually let the full wait list of four on and been coaching CrossFit for almost seven years now. So handling that many people, right? You, is can, possible. you
0: can handle them, but you made a point before, and I think that this will make handling the perfect word, and that was, this is my busiest class, so unfortunately, I have the least to do. And I think that was really telling when I walked in and you said that, because I think a lot of people out there would think, I'm the only coach, Just 24 members in this class. What am I going to do with myself? I have so much work to do. Why do you see it differently?
1: The The best way to teach people exactly the right way to move, we know this from from physical therapy, is is usually one-on-one. If someone's got a problem, you need someone to diagnose it and to fix it and to watch them do it over and over and over and then watch them screw it up a bunch and then have them do it again and so on. When there are that many people, the only thing I can worry about is the not screwing up part. If we're doing RDLs, I've got to make sure and go around and check everybody's T-spine. Go around and go around and go around. And then do it again. And we're hanging from the bar. Are Are they smashing their shoulders into their neck? How are their feet? Are they actually in a hollow position? And so it's mostly just damage control make sure that everybody is safe, is having fun, but there's no real teaching. There's no coaching I can do. And not every day is a day when there's, there's coaching to be done. And a lot of people don't need it. A lot of people won't accept it. But on days when there are 24 people in the class, I just put it from my mind and I make sure we're having fun, we're safe, and it's the best hour of their day.
0: So I think that's, I love that because I think it's a major divergence from what the commonality is and that, that, you know, the common theme is there's only three people in the room. I can give this guy one or two cues and he should be good. I'm going to go ahead and wipe down the board or, you know, this, there's only two people here or four people, six people, whatever it is, a small class. I'm going to demonstrate the movements. I'm going to talk to each of them once. And then I'm going to go make sure I like the music the time. Right. Uh, I'm not suggesting that that's high quality coaching, but I am suggesting that I think that the, the community will lean closer in that direction if that's polar north and you're polar south i think people are going to be north of the equator if you will when it comes to big classes versus you know small classes well what we
1: we train some of our well we we train our coaches to if there's a small group or even if there's a big group to try to spend you know one-on-one time with everybody and i think a lot of people most gyms are going to do that but the smaller you get the more one on one-on-one time you can spend it can be work with me, try this, try this, try this. Let me watch, try it, try it again, try it again, try it again. Move on to person two, loop back around to person one after you've gone one through six, and you can see if it's worked. And it's, I mean, it really is like private training, but also because we're so big, I personally, and I know a lot of my colleagues, seriously value those times when there are three coaches because we don't get to be coaches that often. Right. That, so, I mean, when I have this 24, I'm i I'm, I'm—I'm—I'm a mommy, I'm not a coach.
0: Right, well, well you're, underestimating the depth of knowledge that you have that allows you to be a mommy to twenty four. Right. Right. I mean there there are people who would be in that room and be like, shit, I don't that guy's rounding his spine, that guy's arching his spine, that guy's looking up, that guy's looking down. So I have a
1: really long whip so and I can perfect. hit people from across
0: the room. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, you're 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 obviously able to zero in on the most um, high alert target yeah. as possible. Yeah, and I guess in those
1: big classes, I mean you probably saw this from just watching, but there were two folks, two guys that just uh, body awareness was zero. And it's, I mean, you know, obviously not their fault. They're pretty new and they're not very flexible, but they're just the ones who's, who I, I th- maybe now we could talk about seeing red. I just see red around them. And whenever I'm going through the room, it's stop on those two guys, make sure they're not about to snap in half and then move mm-hmm.
0: on. Well, we try to, um, one of the things we try to do is have nine things that you can say at any given moment, Hi. right? Because you have, Three cues you're looking for, and you can either say them verbally or do them. You know, you can, you can put your hand tactily. Tactily is that a word? You can Neither of us hands. is smart enough. <laughs> you, you, can, you can use your hands and change somebody's position. So, you know, um, and it's just it's if you have things that are quick that you know you can use, and you're looking for the the most egregious behavior, then you you make that change, and someone can have a good experience.
1: What do you think? I I feel like a lot of folks would would have those nine things and then start to devalue themselves because they know I've got these nine things and I'm always saying the same nine things. Well it's like, well you're doing the same thing. You're always teaching people to bend at the hip, to bend at the knee, to just move functionally and move without hurting themselves in any given line of work. There's usually nine things that are the most present and then nine things that are secondary and so on. But I I would see I could see a lot of coaches having the nine things and not being so happy about it and thinking that I'm, I'm underselling myself because I'm only using these same nine things all the time.
0: First of all, I love that. I just got asked a question on my podcast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I said yes yeah, for a
1: reason. <laughs> I know. I appreciate
0: that. But no, it's, 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 there's, it's not just nine things. It's, you know, that these are the most important things. If all of those things are in line, show off. Bring your depth. But the mistake that I think a lot of coaches make is they go to depth before they've broke the surface, right? It's, hey, I think that you know on your snatch, you're jumping too far forward and that's causing the bar to go out in front, so you need to try to jump straight up and down or backwards. Great, how was their start position? Why did they jump forward, right? It's, yes, you picked out something that was there, but did you pick out the most important thing that was there? And that in itself is a major skill, right? So I think that to have nine things, for example, that, that you know and you can go to is valuable and it doesn't devalue your intelligence. It actually gives you the opportunity to expand upon it because you've made the right choices to which one to use and you know when to use your depth and when not to.
1: I was talking to Austin Maliolo of um, Reebok CrossFit One, that's what they're called, right? Yeah, Reebok CrossFit One. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, he was at the level, a level two seminar I was at and he was saying, uh, I was talking about how they run the gym and someone said, how many hours in a row are your coaches allowed to coach? And he said, immediately he said two. Mm-hmm. After two, they stop noticing things. They stop recognizing things and they go into this autopilot mode. And that's more or less what we try to do here. We have a couple coaches that are going to three hours in a row only at very peak times, but it, you just start to sort of, you, you, you can't, you can't stay focused on anything that long. Straight through, twenty four people backed up, twenty four more people. you know, you, you, you fuzz over.
0: It's hard, yeah, we we have a two class max in a row policy as well. Sometimes we have a half an hour break in between classes and you can teach the next one as well, but we won't go two half hour off to. it's it's crazy. Um, but so, how did you did you have to develop the systems for this mentorship program, or was that something that was handed to you and you've kind of adopted it yourself?
1: Well, to to be fair, Coach Sarah is the one who is 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 one hundred percent in charge of the mentorship program and a few other senior coaches and I are the ones who are who are uh, being shadowed or now and then shadowing the, the coaches while they're they're coaching their first classes. But it is something that she and, and I and the rest of the coaches here have sort of developed on the go. Right. We um we see how many people that we can coach or how many how many coaches we can get through and keep and how much better and how how quickly they progress from a beginner coach to an advanced coach to us being comfortable that they're in experienced classes covering for our comp team so it's something that we we made up on our own and we have to adapt it because we're we have so many people and so we need to train both sides How can you identify that someone's starting position is wrong and how can you identify that of these 25 people that are in front of you, that guy's about to snap his neck in half because he's letting the bar drift too far forward. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you play both sides?
0: So uh, the first question I want to ask you, because I should have asked you earlier is how many, you keep saying you have so many people, how many members do you guys have here?
1: So if obviously because we have so many, it fluctuates, we have, we have somewhere between 15 and sometimes up to 40 coming in per week our fundamentals program has a A B C D ABCD class so structure 15
0: to 40 new members per week. Yeah.
1: Got and it. it's always in, you know, it's, it's always varying. I couldn't, couldn't give it a, 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 a direct estimate. Um, and we have about 1600 overall. We have two locations, one on the upper West side and then one here in Flatiron. And so it's usually ranging a little below a little above 16.
0: I think most gym owners listening to this just fell out of their chairs. I, I,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun to get to drop in and, uh, and say, where do you go? Oh, that CrossFit NYC. Whoa, that's the place with sixteen you know, yeah. people just can't believe it.
0: That's the place that put six hundred people in the open a few years ago.
1: That's right, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that's our fun, yeah, five hundred. I think yeah. we have five hundred this year too. it stopped I stopped counting. Cross CrossFit stopped giving out the right. awards because, because we kept was winning like it. The NYC award. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: Which was stunk because we got free games tickets for a while. That was yeah, really great. That was nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: I bet that was nice. Um, but so how many classes a day do you have with That many members. So
1: in in the morning we have uh, basically two classes every half hour. So we have a class at five thirty, and that's the first standalone class of the day, and then at six, six thirty, seven, seven thirty, eight, eight thirty, nine.
0: And they're hour classes.
1: Yep, we have experienced and beginner. We could call it level one and level two. We could call it novice and intermediate. And we have two of those going because we have the two floors. So upstairs in the morning and in the evening, we run experienced upstairs and beginner downstairs. And we do that just to keep everybody separated.
0: Well, I think that, I think typically in CrossFit, people right now are like, everyone's supposed to be in the same class, universally scalable. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think that you guys have done something really smart there by recognizing that, okay. Yeah, sure, universally scalable. We can give the same class on two floors, have 50 people, 60 people per class, or we can give slightly different classes to elevate the people who need more instruction before they go into the other class is that what you guys did
1: it's a, yeah. Yeah. and it's a fun conversation to have with people when after 4 or 5 months they go hey am i ready for experience class and we're like yeah so here's what's going to happen you're in beginner class right now and i never have to talk to you or never should talk to you because there are 20 other people or that's probably too many 10 other people who have trouble remembering that the hook grip is how they have to hold on to the bar so i've got them and they're in order of importance before you you go up now, to experience class is, is
0: that because safety wise, you're managing them. I imagine you get to everybody. I mean, sure. it's, you're, you're, you use generalities and I want to make sure people listening know that it's not okay. Yeah. I go to NYC and no one talks to me because right. I'm the best in the, <laughs> no, right. <laughs> so it,
1: it, mo- it usually go, it goes safety first. Um, and then once everybody's, you know, knows how to hold the bar, knows how to jump up to the pull-up bar, then we can start breaking things down. But in beginner classes, we're trying to get the fundamentals down. And so make sure that they they know how to stand up through their snatch, they know how to squat with upright, an upright position, know to keep their knees tracking over their toes, take care of their bodies. And then once they can do those things, we can say, go to experience class. And by the time they get experienced enough but are still in beginner to do all those things without us reminding them, then they go to experienced and they're all the way at the back or they're at the bottom of the totem pole again. And it's you know it's a pretty simple structure. Just bump them up and they'll get more attention. But that's it's very fun to tell them. Yeah, you're one of the best in this beginner class and you're going to be one of the worst in that experience class. And by worst I just mean who knowing the least, least being aware, yeah, being the, the aware of the least. And it's it's fun.
0: So, how do you guys then? Because I know you have some really good athletes here and you've had some athletes go to regionals mm-hmm. in the past and I don't know if anyone's been to the games or not, but you have how do you cultivate them the top athlete who arguably needs the most coaching when you have to mind the person who has the least experience? first.
1: So the structure that we've set up, we believe works the best to slowly filter or shuffle people up and up and up. So in the evening we have a competition team, which is about 20, 25 folks. And then we have a barbell club, which is coached by Brian Janeiro, which we believe to be absolutely the best barbell club, probably in the city, probably in a hundred miles from us. I know Brian. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we've got those two where if if you want to take it a step further after taking experience class for a while and you want to learn even more and have more personal coaching and and more dedicated coaching, you either go to the competition team, Coach Avery, or to the Barbell Club, Coach Brian. And neither of those things have to be done uh, exclusively. You can take our endurance classes on Wednesdays and take our Oliwad on Wednesdays and Sundays Mm -hmm. if you want to be on the competition team. Or you can take Barbell Club. Two three days a week, and then take one CrossFit class in the weekends.
0: Do you guys have requirements to be on the competition team in terms of capacity? We have tried
1: to. Um, <laughs> it's so hard. It's very very difficult. So uh, no, you just got to really you got to really rock at CrossFit.
0: Okay. <laughs> so what do you see as? Well, it, it seems pretty obvious, but what do you see as the most important difference between your, your time spent as a coach, walk in, fill this role, do your job, no one do your job, to the guy whose job it is to make sure other people know and do their jobs as, as a mentor to coach, to coach mentees.
1: I think we were talking about this before a lot of, uh, a lot of our time because there are so many coaches here is spent watching other coaches and the staff has become really comfortable with one another <laughs> watching somebody do a warm up and saying, Hey, that's a really good idea. Where did you get that idea? And then we talk about it. And so it just comes from having a lot of colleagues around. If there are five classes or four classes running at a time, I'm probably going to see two other warmups after I do mine, even I just see it out of the corner of my eye.
0: So you guys run coaches up.
1: Well, we have a coaches, we have a blog where we we have programmed what is a good warmup to go through a couple of the things to hit. If you have time, if you have a smaller group, if you have a larger group, <laughs> but there's always variations on a theme. So I can watch Brian do his only, only, uh, specific warm up and then I can watch Erica do a yoga specific warm up or something that trends that way and I can take little pieces of them and then do it on my own. So to answer your question a little less specifically than you wanted it to be That's is okay. is um uh, we just, the volume allows us to see so many different things and see so many different people that we adapt.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that it's, you get the data collection by the end of your 6 AMs mm-hmm. that most gyms don't get until the end of the day.
1: So this, this sounds like bragging and
0: maybe it is whatever. Um,
1: I, the level two, I was there with coach Bobby, uh, coach Bobby Gorvetsian and I were at a level two a couple of months ago at CrossFit Garden City and they had to stand up and say, when did you start and how many classes have you coached and how many a week? And everybody said, been going for coaching for two years, coach five a week, uh, coach, I've coached maybe 200 in my life. And Bobby and I stand up and say 7,000, 20 to 25 a week, coaching for six years. And it's just, just like you said, like we just have so much data because mm-hmm. we see so many bodies, so many humans. And I think some people could get buried underneath that, but we... Just yesterday, we had an all coaches meeting where we got together with, and one coach sort of led us through their type of warm up for shoulder flexibility how they control this type of group, if you have this kind of person and so on and so on.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I bet it would have been even more interesting if they said how many people on average were in each of the classes that you coach? Because now it becomes yeah. 7,000 classes and 15 people on average per class yeah. since day one. That's that's a that's a whole different ball of yeah. wax. Yeah. Um, but so when you're looking for a coach, you said that you guys kind of go through the gym, you look for the people who are most likely the best candidates to be in the coach mentee program. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for specifically? Is it is it athleticism? Is it coachability? Is it minds, you know, what is it?
1: So I I would
0: love
1: I would love to ask Sarah this question. Uh that's a better question uh, for that's her. That's probably a better question for her, but I know I've I've noticed the type of folks that she always hires and um the two the things I think are number one, just total intelligence. Like if if somebody's going to be able to adapt to our system and to be able to control a room, and two whether or not they're interested in, in CrossFit as a career and the community of CrossFit.
0: Okay. So how do you do? You know that just from them talking to you about it, they kind of ask a bunch of questions, you think?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. run through a bunch of questions. Usually it's people that have been at the gym for more than two years Okay. and sort of understand the systems. And if every subway line had, was halted and none of the coaches could be here, we would go, hey, you're the one who's going to have to start that group through their warm-up. You know how to – you've watched me talk about it. Two hundred thousand times, okay. let just get them through the warm up, and we know we know who those people are, and we hope that those people will ask to interview, and then if, if so, we choose them.
0: A bunch of people listening just googled what a subway is. <laughs> <laughs> subway. For those of you guys who don't know, that's the uh, underground trains in New York that move from borough to borough and block to block. Would you say that this gym, CrossFit NYC, and and your coaching staff have a very clear and distinct core competency, or is there a a variety that you think makes it a whole kind of like a melting pot
1: well I, th- I think it's it's a melting pot for sure um, because we have so many coaches everybody comes from a different place all coaches all across the gyms come from a different place but um, something we've been trying to do a little more of recently is go take various classes in the New York City we've got we've got the most pottery classes in the world we've got the most yoga classes in the world probably the most CrossFit classes in the world so Everybody takes one or two other classes a week. Maybe it's pottery. Maybe it's, I don't know, knitting.
0: So diversity.
1: Diversity. And so going to take that class, going to take this class, and then bringing one small piece of it. Here, I think because we are not only seeing the most athletes as coaches, but seeing the most humans as humans, it makes us even finer coaches because we're able to adapt to all the different folks that we have.
0: Do the coaches, is that part of their pay? Is that expected? That you United <laughs>
1: experience. To- I think when you walk down Sixth Avenue, you just get it. You just, you just, you're, it, it, it's osmosis okay. being in New York City.
0: Fair enough. Um, and... Is, is there quality control on a regular basis? So you've been coaching here now since 2012. That's five years of coaching here in this gym. I imagine Sarah would be the one who would be watching you. Who's watching Sarah? How, how does that all work?
1: It, we So after, after five years, I've been, I have probably coached with like a total of 30 coaches have been here uh, throughout that time. And probably 20 of them are still here. So Those coaches meetings that we try to do once every month or so, we all get together and Sarah and Coach Avery are, even though they've been here the longest, they would never tell us that they're in charge of us and we all do it as a group and each time we're watching somebody different. So I think it's a level of respect that we have for one another and I believe we have it because we watch each other do the same thing in different ways each week. I coach 20 hours, I coach them in the morning, Erica coaches them at night. And so because we each know we're going through the same thing, we have our own set of skills to bring to these meetings. So keeping an eye out is sort of everyone on everybody else.
0: One of the things that doesn't really, I mean, it kind of speaks to to the pursuit, right, um, to the, the process, but what's the coach's responsibility to clean here? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying no, no, that no. looking around in cobwebs the are sitting in piles of rubbish. Yeah. That's you know?
1: why I said that. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're, we're, we're in charge of our quadrant and the last coach out is the one that, that makes sure everything's tidied up. Um, but, just like with everything, some are better than others. No, but,
0: but that's, that's, I just, I was curious, right? Cause are your coaches paid hourly? Or they paid salary.
1: Hour. Hourly. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're paid hourly. You paid the extra time to clean. No. Right. And that's, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to get at, right? Is so often you hear coaches say, um, paid to coach. not paid to clean hire a cleaning crew i'm like and that's i'm not suggesting that's at my gym that's in general that's the rhetoric in, in some places and the question that i always ask is you know what kind of an environment do you want to coach in and and to what level do you hold yourself what what value do you place on your existence in that space if it's high you want that space to be clean and cleaning crew or not you're going to make sure it is but uh It's interesting to know that at the biggest CrossFit gym in the world, volume-wise, the coaches still have to clean up after themselves.
1: For sure. I mean, we have porters that come in every night, uh, like at 8.30 or 9, our last class is finished, and 10 o'clock, they come in, and they mop the floors every night, and they clean down all the surfaces and, and clean the bathrooms. But. I think it goes very simply back to the level of respect we have for one another and that we all know we're all in this shit together. And if I don't put that rower away, somebody else is going to put it away. And if I don't put it away and somebody else doesn't put it away, somebody who doesn't know how to put the rower away or some member who's new will drag it out and leave it somewhere. And finally, when I come in at 6 in the morning, if there's a mess and I'm already cranky because it's 6 in the morning, it'll just make me twice as upset. And I and I know that every all the coaches have been here at six in the morning and know just it's just not worth it. Take the extra two minutes, do it.
0: Well, and that's that's called extension. Yeah, right? The the idea that I'm going to do this not for the good of me, but for the good of the team. Because if I do something for the good of the team, that actually ends up being the good thing for me too. And that's I think that probably happens here if it's not intentional, if you guys don't culture that environment then that's happening because you've been here 20, you know, for, for five years with 20 each other, years right 20, now, years. God. 20 people have been here five years with each other and it's yeah. like, we have to live with each other. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's interesting. And I think that's important for people to hear you put the rower away because you don't want the other coach to have to put the rower away.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, yeah, everybody, yeah. we're in the fight together.
0: And so what would you say? It sounds to me like you guys are constantly, reaching to do something that other people haven't or can't because you have an environment that allows you to do that, which is pretty inspiring as an opportunity. So what would you say most coaches, I'm not going to talk about the ones here, but most coaches, what are they not doing that would be a valuable addition to their day every day?
1: Well, I, 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 I get called a, a, um, a New York city advocate too often, but it has something to do with being here, truly being around this many people and having the opportunity to take so many classes in, in, uh, classes of any kind, CrossFit classes, yoga classes, knitting classes, right? Just being able to be around that many people or watch that many people teach is a great thing. I know a lot of people, a lot of CrossFitters and a lot of CrossFit coaches say this, that they should, they should go and continue to learn, but you don't have to learn directly in the lane that you're coaching in. If you watch somebody else teach something completely unrelated to what you do, you'll still be able to watch how they do it, right? And you can't go to school for how to teach someone. You have to be taught, watch someone teach, and then apply it on your own. And I think that's what we were able to do, and I think that's what we are, we try to do.
0: Well, I think that guy, you ever heard what Cal Ripken did to his kids at the baseball season was over? He took their gloves and he locked them up, and he's like, "Well, unlock the baseball gloves and baseball season comes back around." And it's the idea of that was he's a professional, a Hall of Fame baseball player, one of the greats of all time, and he told his kids when it's not baseball season, you're not playing baseball. And the reason for that was you're going to get value learning how to move on potentially the soccer field or the basketball court that you're not going to get if you just live on the baseball field and opportunities are going to arise where you're better off just being an athlete than being a baseball player. So I think that speaks to the idea of coaching is, you know, learn to coach other things, learn to be coached in other things, because it might not make you better at coaching the snatch, but it might just make you a better person.
1: I think, I and mean, I think that's it too, is, is I, we keep saying that five years, however many classes I've coached, Every new person, it gets a little bit easier every time to coach a new person while coaching the snatch, because I remember one more percent that they have no stinking clue what I'm talking about. I say the word snatch and they look at me, you know, of course, people hear that word for the first time and they're like, the what?
0: The first time when it comes to equipment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and so
1: taking all these different classes or or being taught by someone, being taught something, something new by someone just reminds me that. Yeah. I, was, I was a newbie two hours ago when I was taking that class.
0: Mm-hmm. You're a newbie to me. I've got to remember that. I enjoy myself the opportunity to be a beginner from time to time. That's fantastic. To say, I'm going to go try something that I have never done before just to remember what it feels like to be absolutely terrible at something because you've never done it. So that when I'm talking to somebody in my environment and I'm like, yeah, 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 yada, 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 yada and they're looking at me with that glazed over, I have no idea what you just said, look, I can be like, I apologize, let's go backwards a second. Yeah. And and so I think that's cool that you, that you. it's a cool recommendation for people to be going out and doing things that don't necessarily apply to what they're doing, learning just for the sake of learning. Yeah. That's good. Um, and what are, is that something that, 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 can you speak to a specific example of that yourself that you've done? recently in the last six months to a year?
1: Well, so when I, when I was uh, in college, I minored in, in music. And so I was always trying to learn new musical instruments and always failing terribly. It was sort of just like a hobby that mm-hmm. I, could, I could make a minor. And that's the thing that I always go back to is picking something up new, picking up, up something new. Whenever someone picks up a barbell for the first time, I always try to remember, well, remember the first time you put your hands on a piano or you picked up a guitar? What did it feel like? You didn't even know how to hold it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I could see someone, seeing someone pick up a barbell and, and thinking they don't have enough respect for what they're about to do. No, they just don't know how to have respect. Right. And so I think that that's, that's the example I go to. Um, I try to go take yoga classes pretty often and I try to go to somewhere different all the time. We're in New York City, so there are so many different options doing that meeting coaches for the first time is a really really interesting thing you walk into a yoga studio and does the coach or the <laughs> they're not coaches uh does the uh, does the um what, what do we call them jeez oh yoga instructors yeah just yoga instructor yeah. i mean coach is a versatile term sure, let's use coach so the, does the coach come up and say hey i've never seen you before What's your name? What's your experience? Or do they just sort of let you like fall in and fumble and figure it out? And the most, uh, most beneficial classes I've ever been to, I was immediately greeted and said, are you new? Are you kind of new? Are you just new to this time? If you need anything, just park yourself near me and ask me. And so that's the thing that I try to take from taking all these classes is as soon as I see somebody, I don't know, go start the conversation because it's a two-week process to get to know anyone anyway so mm-hmm. at least uh, yeah especially because we're here we're seeing each other for an hour in a day yeah so.
0: i've recently had a um a woman who i met with who is a fitness instructor at her own facility it's not a crossfit gym it's not it's i don't really know how to describe it it's kind of like a mixture of dance and fitness but it's not Zumba. It's called Zumba. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> they, they use weights. They use legitimate weights. She just changes the environment to make it feel more like a nightclub. Her thought is fun first, you'll stay fit. It's very cool. But so she actually tried taking a class at my gym without me knowing she took a class at my gym. And when we are meeting yesterday, and we were just meeting because I wanted to see if I could bring value to her in any way, shape, or form. I wasn't looking for money. I just wanted to put value out. So she's like, you know, I actually dropped into a class at your gym. And I'm like... Please tell me everything. Yeah. Right? I have, I wasn't your coach. Um, I want to know everything. And she's like, "Well," and I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Everything. I want you to tell me what you loved. I want you to tell me what wasn't great. I want you to tell me what was absolutely terrible so that we can make those things better." And she was honest with me and it was for me, most of what she thought, she was like, "It it was it was a it was more attention than I thought I would get in a in a gym like that, in the CrossFit environment, but it was still less attention than I wanted. That was her honest explanation to me. And my thought was, instead of, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, CrossFit can't give you attention. It was, how could we give her either more attention or the perception of more attention if she came in again. So for me, that was really valuable for someone who came and saw my place for the first time and gave me the honesty of it. So I always like to try to go out and
1: be a beginner. Something I've screwed up a lot in my life is having the first conversation with someone about CrossFit. Um, after two or three months of doing it, I realized that trying to evangelize it is the worst idea ever. And also you just should, probably shouldn't do that very often anyway. But when people, um, when people, uh, ask you about it, you really gotta be careful about how you go about it because really they might just be setting up to, to bash on you. And it's the same thing with everything, with yoga and all that, but learning how to have the first conversation and, and asking them and to, sort of doing what you're talking about is saying, but how do you think we should do it? If you think that if you think that's the problem with CrossFit, what do you think we should do instead? And true, and being honest and actually wanting to know the answer, and it's it's really helped every conversation I've had about CrossFit. I was at a wedding this weekend, and I was possibly half in the bag, um, and 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 trying to remember how how should I talk to this person who really wants to know about CrossFit? And it was just about asking them, well, what are you afraid of? What do you think it's going to be like? What would make it easier for you? What would get you in the door? And the answers are everything I want.
0: Right. I recently interviewed Logan Gelbrick of Deuce Gym mm-hmm. out in LA. And he said basically, if you have two people, one of them is a high sock, nano wearing CrossFit evangelist, and the other one is the guy who loves to hate CrossFit. If you ask them both, what is CrossFit? They're probably going to give you two definitions, and neither one is probably right. And both are probably right, and that's the interesting thing about anything that is a culture. Right, the, the perception of what it actually is, is is totally different than what it actually is, and I, so yeah, having the conversation from a and a perspective of how can I stand to improve, I think is valuable. Yeah. The, I I try to do something like what you said before, also new stuff all the time. The most recent new thing that I did is cold showers. You ever tried taking a cold shower? No, I mean. <laughs> Yes, but uh, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be cool. Like, all right, this Wim Hof guy seems to know something. Right. So I jump in the cold shower and you want to talk about a beginner? I was like. When do I calm down? What the fuck is this? When do I, when do I calm down?
1: But you, so you, there was someone else in the shower with you who was no, your coach. No, 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 <laughs> no,
0: no, uh, no. Wim was not in the shower with me. I've never spoken yeah, with him yeah. even. Although oh, it'd be cool. And now I've been doing it though for like three weeks. And now I actually can find some comfort in the cold shower, which is an interesting switch.
1: So hear that folks. You can learn anything if you, you can, try. <laughs>
0: you can. You can. So uh, on a deeper level, right? I mean, you're, it's easy to get lost in a gym that has 1600 members and how many Coaches, forty
1: over twenty.
0: Over twenty coaches. What's the legacy of Michael Boltman? What, what you know? Eventually, you're not going to be coaching here anymore. What will you have left this gym and this community with?
1: Whenever I'm trying to figure out how to make people or help people have have a good time here, I always remember that this is probably going to be the best hour of their day. You know, a lot of people say that about whatever class they take: yoga, CrossFit, Pilates. So. I would like to be someone who tried to make it fun, but also was always ready to have the more important conversation, the deeper conversation, how can I move better, what health goals should I have, and helping people decide how they should proceed. People come in two to six months, they're having a good time, they're loving CrossFit, uh, they just like the sweating and the the camaraderie, (laughs) but then you get to a place where, where should I go? My goal is no longer just abs. My goal is how do I continue this into a lifestyle? So being someone who can adapt the first two to six months can help them make the six to 12 month goals and then so on and so on and so on. That's what I want. I want to be able to do all those things and I want to have in all my classes have six people who just think, okay, he's just, he's helping us have fun and that's all I really care about and he's never trying to make me have anything more. And then to the folks who have larger aspirations or different aspirations that I can also help them. That's important to me.
0: Cool. I like that. And are you, I kind of feel like this is a redundant question, but is there anything specific, is there a ritual, is there anything you go through that helps you to work towards that and measure that you're actually doing that better on a day-to-day basis? Well, I don't know. I I think think
1: what I've really tried to do is remember when I meet new people, when I meet new members in in class, that they're not likely going to be my friend right away and it's going to take them a little while to build trust and so not worrying about new people watching me they're going to they're going to make their judgments over the course of a couple weeks or even months so it's a ritual maybe it's not a ritual but it's a process that I go through is day one hello here's one thing I have to say to you See you tomorrow. I'll keep an eye on you. We'll talk if we need to, but I'm not gonna push you too much. And let people sort of just get used to get get used to the climate of what how CrossFit is, how, how we operate here, and then slowly get to know them better and actually figure out their goals. And then also have those fun conversations like who'd you pick in the bracket, what do you do for work, and slowly get to know them better and then and then through those conversations and that trust.
0: Well, I think the um the take-home for me from that is, you know, we always say the process is the goal. The goal is not the validation that your process worked. The process is the goal. And someone else might think, okay, someone comes into the gym. I want to make them like me. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's different every time. And it's – and it naturally is different every time. It should be. But, but there are people who maybe they're trying – hard to get to the end before they've experienced the beginning and the middle. And I think that your process of "Hi, I'm Michael. Did you watch the game last night?" instead of "Hi, I'm Michael. I'm one of the lead coaches here, and your clean form is atrocious." is is a process in itself that allows you to achieve where other people might not. So it's valuable.
1: It's, um, and I, I think I don't. I don't think I'm alone in it. I think a lot of the other coaches have that. And I, it may just be another. Um, component of, of working at this gym where we see so many different people that we've had to had to succumb and not be able to get to know everyone right away and know that people are transitory especially in, in New York City and that we won't be able to get to know everyone so maybe it's it's a process or it, the process came about because I had to slow play everybody to see if they're actually going to stick around mm-hmm. but it. It's the only way I know to do it.
0: Sure, it's good. I'll leave with this. I have one more question for you. And that's kind of going back to the beginning. When I walked into here, you had a class of 24 people. They were hanging from the bar, and then they were crawling. It was a back and forth, distraction, compression, distraction, compression. That's not typical of what you see in a standard CrossFit gym. Was it a specialized class? What was the goal? What was the what was the intention is a better word of what they were doing at that time and how much of the class ran like that
1: so as a as a pt you could speak to why they were doing the compression and then hanging from the bars right you can we could we can go over how that's why that's good for shoulders and how those things keep us healthy but simply doing old-fashioned crossfit doing a hundred thrusters doing a hundred bench press then doing a hundred deadlifts There's more to it than that. There has to be more to it than that, and we can't have them do that every single day and keep them healthy. So there are days when we, I hope some, we sneak things on them that is going to give them a good exercise, give them good exercise, make them sweat, make them better, but also keep their shoulder, keep their their shoulders healthy, keep their body integrity. how they want it to be throughout an entire workout, instead of beating them down to the point where they still, they can't stand up and do another deadlift, but we ask them to.
0: And hey, Mary Poppins said it, right? The spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down.
1: So, we do fun things like that, and we um, we try to sneak as much prehab and rehab into our classes as we can, and that's thanks to our programmers and thanks to the coaches that help us write the warm-ups every day and then the smart people that they know. Sure. Um, so...
0: No, it's good. That, that, that was a good answer. You don't need to search for anything more than that. I think that giving them that spoonful of sugar is is valuable, right? I mean, people, people want to be left on their back in a CrossFit gym. And sometimes they come into class and they're like, I didn't get a great workout today because X, Y, Z. But if if they're educated that a great workout doesn't look the same every time, then hanging from a bar doing crawls across the gym brings great value. to yep. mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people send us emails a couple weeks or a couple days after they've started CrossFit and say, you know, I used to get really, really sore and now I don't get as sore anymore. And I want to know how, how can I get that feeling back? And I think we, we can go all the way back to the beginning where we said we're, we're sort of the Harvard of CrossFit as we know. Chasing soreness is never going to get you everything you want. If you're just chasing soreness, then you got something else going on.
0: Go yeah, do a bunch of eccentric bicep curls.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel it. Yeah. So we, we have days like this where we, we can even tell them in the beginning of class, you're not going to feel like you're dead at the end of this, but here's how you can do it. Right. And here's what you can do right for your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we try to pair the two together, tough guy CrossFit and prehab and rehab.
0: And My, my favorite thing that you did end the class, Everybody came back into the board. It was it was an opportunity to say good practice today.
1: The uh, CrossFit it used to be, well, and it still is in probably a lot of gyms, a really cute, close, tight-knit community. And, you know, a lot, I'm sure lots of people have lots of opinions that it's a cult and so on and so on. But when we're the biggest, the biggest CrossFit, and it's very difficult to maintain a community, but we can do it by simple things like that. Maybe we don't have the all 1,600 members knowing each other's names, but we have little pockets of it. And that's the way we can do It's just come back together. Everybody, let's, let's get in together and let's do this. One piece of the warm up together, one piece of our strength or conditioning together.
0: I think it's such a great practice to bring people in at the end and, and close it. Like we're one. Yeah. I understand you're all going somewhere different right now, but you can't leave early if you bring it in at the end. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you'd like to talk about so that we give you the opportunity to, to, to bring value that maybe I didn't even know you could bring to our listeners? I made, I made some
1: notes, but we, we talked about a lot of it. Uh, I want to ask you a question does it um, make you feel like uh, a bigger man coming into the biggest CrossFit gym in the world and hanging out here with me for the day
0: like a bigger man Is yeah said? yeah yeah
1: you feel like a real tough guy
0: huge <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I got an organic cell on the way in so I mean if I'm, not, if I'm not expressing my comfort in masculinity by going to a salad bar on the way into the biggest CrossFit gym in the world, <laughs> I don't know what'll do it. Well, I know I know
1: a lot. Uh, we have a couple of coaches that are uh, PTs, um, and we have a couple that are studying to be PTs, and one studying to be a chiropractor, and a couple of health coaches. And um, I think if you can't get those kind of people on your CrossFit staff or get those people in your life, just having experience with those with those type of people or talking to people like that because of of our our volume, we can meet and and talk with the most folks, but if I could, if I could give advice to anybody who's trying to start a CrossFit gym,
0: start one, be an athlete, one, be a coach, whatever it is. You don't have to give anything either. If you feel like you've already done it, but it's just, I like to give people at the, at the end of these conversations, the opportunity to say, Hey, this is really important to me. And we didn't talk about it.
1: No, we, we covered most of that stuff. Right. Just keep learning. I mean, I, I've, I've only re- learned that in the last couple of years, um, is that I get better at teaching and understanding by being taught and by learning. And it's something maybe it's just takes a couple of years of your life to figure it out. But.
0: That's that's cool
1: though.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> learn through experience. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Sean. And my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Active Life podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecareRx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal.